And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, guys? Nick Scripp here on the P2W Fantasy Podcast. Still plugging away in the offseason, but for uh, you Dynasty guys, there is no offseason. But uh, really excited about this show today. I have two great guests on that I have yet to collaborate with uh, via live stream, so I'm really excited about that. We have a really good topic. Uh, but before we dive into that topic, I want to make sure that I introduce both of these guys, I'll give you the quick version and let them talk about themselves and uh, what they have going on because both guys are very active here in the fantasy community and uh, uh, produce content and give their opinions in, in very different ways. So I'll start things off with Akash, who I've actually met uh, in Canton. He, I think you randomly came up to me. I was probably feeling real good at that time, and uh, we got to meet at the Expo, which was awesome. But uh, co-host of the R Squared Fantasy Football Podcast, super active on Twitter, always interacting with people, giving your opinion. Uh, you do have this breakdown analysis that I like. Uh, it's called uh, Ye- I'm sorry, YKB or YDKB, which is your your breakdown of uh, somebody's take if they um, if they know ball or they don't know ball. So I, I like to see that um, from time to time as well. But Akash, thanks for coming to the show, man. Can you tell everybody because uh, people will listen to this in their cars later on? But can you tell everybody where to find you on social media and uh, what you got going on, man? Yeah, you can find me on. Twitter at YZR underscore fantasy. And like Nick said, I have a podcast called the R squared fantasy football podcast. You can find that on the bulletproof fantasy football YouTube channel. And I'm also doing work with uh, the bulletproof Patreon. If you're familiar with them, um, it's just a bunch of smart people talking in a discord about fantasy football. It's worth a, it's worth a subscription. Absolutely. I'm sure many people have seen uh, um, the members of that group on Twitter and uh, being able to talk in more of a personalized setting, I think, is a a real good perk for uh, um, some good fantasy creators there. But uh, also on the show, I have Daniel, a film analyst for the Fantasy Football Astronauts and uh, RGR Football on YouTube. I was checking them out today. 20.7 thousand subs on YouTube. That is massive. We were talking a little bit before the show. I'm like, how in the world can i even get to like a quarter of that but uh that is awesome man i know you recently dropped a video covering some chiefs roster moves i think you even had a a newer one uh today but uh daniel thanks for joining the show man where can we find you on social media and uh, talk about what you do thanks for having me on nick it's always a lot of fun to connect with everybody in the fantasy community that was one of my goals this season off season to just kind of get out there a little more and you guys can find me on twitter at in harm's way 19 it's where you find literally just about everything i'm as active as most people i think on there i'll respond relatively quickly and all of the film work that i do for the chiefs whether it's draft breakdown related or not it's going to be on rgrfootball.com and that'll take you right to the youtube page i also work with the fantasy football astronauts i have working on a gabriel davis video right now i have a amon ross st brown one up on their youtube page right now and we're also doing a ton of draft stuff so it's uh, a little a little busy <laughs> that's awesome it's awesome good to stay busy this time of year because people are still interested and a lot of people might take a break but there's still tons to talk about still to uh you know project forward as well we got people in the comments already our buddy kevin uh, asked daniel why acres is overrated so we got people getting spicy in the comments as is so if you're watching this on twitter go to the youtube channel P2W Fantasy, that's where we can actually see the comments. Unfortunately, we can't on Twitter. But uh, before we get into the show here, I want to make sure uh, I plug the the Fantasy Points Media Group. Go check out fantasypoints.com slash subscribe. It's a one-stop shop for everything fantasy-related. I'm on there every single day. If you use the promo code P2W22, you get 10% off. Well worth it. 
with the fantasypoints.com uh, there. And what we have going on today for the show, polarizing players and what that means, I'll tell you after the intro. All right, so if you are joining us tonight, we are talking polarizing players. What do I mean by a polarizing player? I mean a player where We've seen a variety of different opinions in the offseason about these guys. Some people might uh, be high on these players. Some people are kind of out on them. Uh, they're players where I feel like the consensus opinion is uh, not a, a, a consensus. So we're going to break down some of these guys uh, and get uh, both Daniel and Akash's opinion on them, starting off with someone we mentioned earlier already, uh, Gabriel Davis. So the the Bills, uh, he was a playoff stud. He played in two playoff games, he had 10 receptions for 242 receiving yards and five touchdowns. But most of that came in the divisional round. He had eight receptions for 201 receiving yards and four touchdowns. Unreal. Uh, appeared in 16 regular season games, played above 50% of the snaps in six of them, though. He had a 14.3, a 24-point week. So not tons and tons of regular season you know, flex play, but had some. Cole Beasley's back in 2022, I believe. But Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent. A lot of uh, big diversity of opinions when it comes to Gabriel Davis, especially after that game. But we'll start off with Daniel. Uh, when we uh, go into these guys, uh, Daniel Akash, let us know what's your thoughts on them for Dynasty. Uh, are you high, low on them? Whatever route you want to take, you just roll with it. So, Daniel, you go uh, first here with uh, Gabe Davis. Yeah, uh, first I want to address the little Acres stuff. I'm a big Acres guy. So, Kevin, I do appreciate you putting it in, in there. I don't think he's – a bad pick at all i think that uh, i'm actually probably a little over on him than some people are so uh definitely don't think he's overrated in myself but to get to gabriel davis personally uh that game against the chiefs in the playoffs was very much an aberration and in just watching him play it it was clear that the chiefs defense didn't know what was going on as soon as tyron matthew went out from what I watched, I literally just watched it again today. It was just miscommunications and people blowing guys wide open. So if you have somebody that wants Gabriel Davis, I'm okay. Pretty much saying you can sell him right now. He's probably got an extremely high level considering people probably think that not just Emmanuel Sanders will be gone this year or next year, but also Cole Beasley's got a, I believe he could be a cap casualty as well. So they're looking at, possibly being you know not only attached to Josh Allen but that high scoring Bills offense as the wide receiver too which is always something you're looking for and I'm interested in how they're going to address the wide receiver position and free agency as well as the draft so Davis for me right now is more of a sell than anything because I'm I think his viewpoint from that Chiefs game is extremely high all right so Daniel's on the boat for selling Gabe Davis when it comes to dynasty. Akash, are you in agreement or what's your take for Gabe Davis moving forward here? Yeah, totally. His price totally went up uh, after that Bills game. Um, I'm a big believer, and I know some people who watch film might do it differently, but I'm a big believer in just um, a lot of fantasy football has variants. A lot of football has variants, so you can't put too much weight into one game. And Gabriel Davis uh, has shown – throughout his career two years like nothing but a role player i want to say nothing but he's shown to be a role player 
He's had had 500 yards, around 30, 35 catches in back-to-back seasons. The thing is, he catches touchdowns sometimes, and so everyone likes to imagine what he could be if he gets a full snap share. But last season, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders after John Brown left. Um, they could they could add another player in, in free agency or in the draft into that wide receiver room. You know, I saw josh allen having dinner with christian kirk or something i don't know what moves they're gonna make but i have an idea that they are gonna make some moves i don't think that they're gonna keep him as their wide receiver two for gabe davis i think he is a fine role player and that's that's fine you know the nfl has uses for role players he's a solid player in that regard but i don't think that he's ever gonna break into fantasy football relevance in a big way um in his rookie season he was 75th in points per game last season he was 82nd in points per game this isn't a player who's shown to be fantasy relevant at all. And just because he catches touchdowns sometimes um, on limited snaps doesn't mean that you can extrapolate that out and say that you expect him to become very fantasy relevant. And so when his dynasty price is like wide receiver 30-ish and he's going for a late first or early second, that's something that I'm definitely selling. So I uh, right after that game, uh, I'm in a one-quarterback home dynasty league, and uh, – I got some shit because I, I I shipped them away for the the 204, and uh, it's tough in this league to buy or sell picks because some guys are not active until like the actual rookie draft. But I was fine with it. And I'm on the same same boat as you guys. I, I feel like when everybody's eyes are on the playoff games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these dynasty players, their price is going to elevate because most people are not looking at, you know, the in-depth, oh, look at his snap percentage throughout the year. Oh, how many games was he fantasy relevant throughout the year? They're just focused on that one game, right? The casual fantasy uh, player. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that you can capitalize off of that in dynasty, right? Because um, again, everybody's eyes are on that, but I would be shocked this off season if the bills don't go after a solid number two, not just an average number two, a solid number two, mm-hmm. because obviously you have a good offense, right? And and you look at, you know, who their pass catchers were this year. They were such a good offense with like, okay, guys. Like if we're, if we're going to label Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, like elite players, I, I think we'd be on different pages, right? So um, I, I'm on board with, with using that game as a leverage right now and, and moving on. Um, what Akash, you, you mentioned, uh, a price range, Daniel, is, is that kind of similar for you? Yeah, it's almost identical. If you're looking, if you can find someone that's a casual viewer, for example, that's not really going to, it's got that freshness in his head. He knows that four touchdown game and he's like, okay, I might be able to get a late round. You might be able to get a late first round pick, early second round pick. I think that's ideal for Gabe Davis right now. And especially before the free agency starts if you can get that done before free agency starts and the bills start moving and before the draft i think that's going to be your best idea especially if they start becoming active with wide receivers it's a good point good point uh timing and dynasty is everything right so if if you wait until the changes happen then it's going to affect the price i mean if the changes don't happen maybe his price is higher but again i'd gamble the the opposite direction and the way we'll go with this show i'm just going to spit out random guys Uh, you know i i would look for a cool transition to the next one but we'll, we'll just move on to the uh, the next player here. I don't even have positions in order. We're just going all over the place. But I, I like it. I like it. So uh, the next guy on the list, and we'll start with Akash on this one, but uh, CEH Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So we know majority of rookie drafts that we saw, you know, from the Twitter world and and probably in our home league, uh, leagues, when he was a rookie, he was going as the 101 in, in single quarterback leagues. We saw that super often, right? Um, the opportunity was obviously there being on the Chiefs. Uh, 
He failed to hit his ADP in his rookie season. You know, this season, weeks three and four, we saw him back-to-back weeks rush for 100-plus yards, and we thought, hey, maybe we have something here. I mean, it was a good sign. Then he had some injuries, right? Kept him out multiple weeks, and he came back, and he only hit 52-plus percent of the snaps in the regular season once after he came back, which was not a great sign. Uh, and then we look at the playoffs, and, and for some reason, Jarek McKinnon, he's that dude for the Chiefs. It wasn't CEH. I don't know if he was still banged up or if he just was outperforming him, whatever the case was. So we saw like a glimpse of maybe this is good, but it ended up pretty bad. But, you know, some people say he's a sleeper now coming into the season. Some people are saying they are completely out. What is your take, Akash? Um, my take is that I not uh, I know it's supposed to be polarizing, but I'm just kind of eh on him like I've I've nicknamed him in this and other people have called him this like mid Edward Delaire, which abbreviates out to meh. And that's kind of what he is. He's 20th in points per game in his rookie year, 25th this year. He is an OK opportunity share. He, he was supposed to be this great receiver coming out of college and then his receiving is dipped uh, from his rookie year to his sophomore year. I don't expect him to lose his job or anything. He's not god-awful, but I just expect him to be like a RB2 or 3, and that's, that's whatever. I don't know what his price point exactly is, but I, I would guess like an early second-ish, which is, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of buying RBs right now at this time. I would rather buy them at the beginning of the year if I'm going to buy them at all. And so it's just, I'm not like super hot on him. The, uh, the Matt vibe is, is definitely a uh, uh, real when it comes to uh, your description here. And I, and I feel you on that. Um, you, I think they said his nickname was mid, mid Edwards Hilaire. Is that what you said? Yeah. I, I figured out what, what these terms mean. I'm trying to stay cool and hip with the, the terms even at 30 now, but uh, that's a big like TikTok uh, comment I see all the time. But um, Daniel, same question. You're a Chiefs fan, right? I, I am a Chiefs fan. All I right. have a little we bit got, of- we got to hear it from the heart here. I've got a little bit more information that actually helps the situation a little bit because okay. this offseason, I don't know if anybody, if you guys know, before the offseason, before the season, he lost 40 pounds because of his gallbladder just stopped working randomly. It just stopped working. I did not so know he that. Had to, yeah, he had gallbladder, gallbladder surgery over the offseason. And I think those two games you addressed against the Eagles and the Chargers, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, where he rushed for over 100 yards, he was finally starting to get back into himself a little bit. And then he gets hurt again. Like, that's been the the – overall arching story of the last couple of seasons for for Clyde is, is that he's had some injuries kind of fluky ones too with his collarbone which don't usually happen back to back and unfortunately for him it's in, affected his uh, production and the biggest question was how the Chiefs are going to use him utilization with this entire offense is key to being a production a producing running back in fantasy and Andy Reid is known for having productive fantasy backs. Like that's kind of the whole thing. It's the reason Clyde was getting drafted so high to begin with because running backs produce in his offense all the time. And for some reason, they have not felt comfortable using him in the passing game. That's been a big problem. And I'm not sure what's going on myself because Andy Reid is very tight-lipped about this kind of stuff. But if you have Clyde, you're not getting much for him right now. Like that's for me, like I'm holding on to Clyde in the places that I have him because there's one year left for me that had, has a little bit of hope in terms of fantasy relevance. Maybe he's a high end RB two this year. If he is, I think that's perfectly okay in terms of what you've sacrificed to this point, but you, you can't really sell him. There's, you can kind of go out and buy him if you're looking to, to get him as a, at a mid second round pick i think that's probably okay maybe a late second round pick if you're lucky but at the end of the day he's just not done enough to warrant selling and kind of just holding on to him right now 
I completely agree because I feel like uh, the vibe in, in the room in, in, in terms of your actual fantasy league you play in, I don't think anybody's like sprinting to go get them. And I don't think anybody's going to like throw a ton at them. So you're yeah. probably going to have to sell for a discounted price. And, and what do you weigh it? Uh, selling at a discounted price that doesn't really help your team that much or just like hanging on and, and hoping for the best. I think sometimes in, in Dynasty, uh, it's best just to like hang on to the piece and, and, and see what happens because even yeah. if you do go and go and sell them off, if, if, if it's not making your team any better, then why even make that move? So I, I'm, I'm with you on on CEH, but uh, it does seem pretty bland when it comes to, uh, um, you know, his, his valuation, I guess, right now. Um, next guy on the list, uh, we got a bunch of guys, so I want to make sure we keep rolling through. Marquise Hollywood Brown. So weeks one through seven before the bye, he was the wide receiver six overall. He averaged 18.6 fantasy points. And, and my points that I reference are always PPR. Uh, following the bye, weeks nine through 17, he was the wide receiver 31, averaged 12.2 fantasy points. You know, he had six games of 19-plus fantasy points on the season. He had six games under 10 fantasy points. So we saw a big mix of everything. I know there's some different factors that came into play, like Lamar Jackson not playing. Uh, but, again, another guy where people were starting to uh, maybe buy into him a bit, and then people faded out towards the season. But, again, a mixture of opinions here. So, Daniel, we'll go back to, uh, back to you here. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, Dynasty. This is such a weird – place for me because as much as the Ravens want to run the ball like they've said they want to run the ball no matter what with how many players they can they have rushed Marquise Brown twice in his career twice that's a problem for a guy who runs a sub 4-4 you need to utilize him more in the run game and I don't know what's going on in Baltimore with that nonsense but he had 146 targets this year, the most of his career, 91 receptions, the most of his entire career. When he's getting the utilization, he's shown to be productive. And obviously not having Lamar Jackson, those however many weeks it was, hurt him. Having Sammy Watkins in and out of the lineup, having Rashad Bateman in and out of the lineup, like all these different factors hurt him or helped him this season. Going forward, I'm a little hesitant about him because you're going to have Marquise Brown. You're going to have J.K. Dobbins back, which is going to make the running game a bit more potent. You're also going to have Lamar Jackson returning, which takes opportunities away. So the idea for me behind Marquise Brown is how are we going to value him as a player if the targets, if this is his best season in Baltimore, this last season, 146 targets, you're not going to get that return of value. So you might want to look to sell him a little bit if you can get an end of the first round draft pick for him or maybe that's probably what you're looking for i don't think you can sell him anything lower uh because he's had a good season he had a good season and he's still a guy who can be a game-changing type of player if used properly and whether they change the offensive dynamic in baltimore to throwing the ball more that's how i'm really valuing it so i personally because i'm not sure about his value with all those guys returning I'm probably looking to sell if I can get that into that late first round pick. And if not, I'm definitely holding. Akash, are you on the same boat? Do you disagree or what's your take here on, on Marquise Brown? Yeah, I love Marquise Brown. Uh, I bet you, I think you read my bio earlier uh, introducing the show. I have a uh, president of the Hollywood Brown <laughs> fan club in my oh, bio. There, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, coming into the year, I was too low on him. I messed up. It's my bad. You know, the targets were there. Target share was there and I, didn't pay attention to it i kind of said like oh targets are earned except for this guy because i don't like him and i like bateman more 
And now I've uh, grown on Hollywood, and I've realized it's okay to like two guys on the same offense. So I like Bateman, and I like Hollywood. That's okay. Uh, he's had a 25% target share in his second year. He had 27% target share this last year. His the targets, I know you're talking about the split, like how sometimes Bateman was hurt, sometimes uh, Watkins was hurt. But the splits of the targets with Bateman in and out of the lineup are pretty much the same. It's the same crazy good target share, which is, I believe, like close to top – uh, eight, and so that's a that's a really good mark. And like you said, he had a bunch of targets coming into the year. The target share was there. It was just a question of okay, are they going to pass more than twenty six times a game, which is absolutely horrible. And they just... did we get? Is it Kosh frozen? I think he got frozen. Oh no, Kosh! Oh, it's all right. Hang on, I'm gonna. Maybe I'll try to remove and you hop back in, Akash. I'm back. There oh, you're back? You yeah. good? Yeah. All right, I can hear you. I can hear you. So their passing volume goes up. They've invested so much in the passing game, right? They drafted Hollywood in round one. They drafted Hurst in round one. Hurst kind of flamed out. They traded him. But they drafted Andrews in round three, signed him to a large extension, then drafted Bateman in round one. They've, they've invested so much in the passing game. It makes sense for them to do that, right? And so um, having good, good weapons around him, having – viable running backs doesn't really hurt him it just makes this offense better and so you have a good offense you have a great quarterback you have a guy that has good volume i don't he just finished wide receiver 22 um at 24 years old and people are pricing him at wide receiver 30 ish in dynasty and so i'm absolutely buying for a late one i would buy for up to a mid one but that's not what i'm going to pay because his market value is a lot lower than that and so if i can pay a late one i'm totally doing that I think I think I'm with that, especially seeing you know what was going on earlier in the season, and and one of the one of the narratives for Baltimore, right, is is that they're this run first, and it almost seems like everybody thinks they're like a run only team. When we, I, I think what's important is to look at Lamar Jackson and the games he played this year. Just going down the list here, you know, week four, 37 attempts. He had uh, two weeks prior to that. With, uh, with 30, 31 attempts, uh, week 5, 43 attempts, week 9, 41, week 10, 43, week 13, 37. So they're they're throwing the ball like they, they actually are throwing the ball. And I always see this dynamic of like it's either Bateman or it's Hollywood. And, and I'm wondering, like, have we already seen hints? Uh, either one of you guys can jump in. Have, have we already seen hints that they're not like shifting into a passing team, but like there's plenty of room for two guys to succeed i i think i mean if they're they, a fit, i guess yeah they passed the they... i think we lost a guy, lost a guy. <laughs> but Dan, daniel you, you have any thoughts on that yeah um this was the worst baltimore defense we've seen over the last that's all, a good point entire time that lamar jackson's been the quarterback which i would imagine is going to get better next year we're gonna obviously see if that's the case but they were throwing it far more in game because they were down in games they got blown out by the bengals this year that hasn't happened in years like th this entire dynamic that they're throwing the ball a little bit more for me is because their defense was so much worse than it has been in past and that's all relative to injuries too they had one of some of the worst injury uh history in this entire season for the ravens specifically on defense so i'm looking for a bounce back on their defense which is going to allow them to do what they typically want to do and run the ball more but i do think that there's more than enough room in this offense for two guys to be relevant whether that's going to be hollywood and bateman whether it's going to be bateman and andrews whether it's going to be andrew and, and andrews and uh, hollywood that's what we're gonna to have to figure out 
I think that's a good point in itself right there, too. Uh, Akash might be jumping back in, but we'll keep things uh, rolling on here. Um, got a bunch of bunch of names on this list left to hit. Um, let's skip. Uh, let's skip to. I'm gonna just, just skip around a little bit here. But Devin Singletary. We did talk about the Bills already. Uh, we talked about Gabriel Davis. Devin Singletary before <clears throat> he was the guy in Week 14. He had eight games under 50 percent of the snaps. Weeks 14 through 17 for fantasy range from 68 to 93 percent of the snaps and was the RB three. Overall, he averaged 18.3 fantasy points. So he was balling out at the end of the season. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Postseason, he had 107 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, seven catches in the two games they played. Uh, you know, everyone likes to mention in free agency, maybe somebody going to uh, Buffalo. Other people say, hey, they got their guy. What, what's your take here? I mean, is, is this the guy moving forward? Yeah, this is an interesting, interesting topic because the very beginning of the season, Devin Singletary looked to be the guy too. Like he, they had, I actually had him on a couple of my teams, and he was being my RB two. Like he was my actual yeah. RB two. He was getting receptions, getting touchdowns, and then they had this weird dynamic with him, Zach Moss, and Matt Breida. They were just trying to figure out what to do with the offense. They were they were having struggles moving the ball, much like the Chiefs in terms of passing the football. They were having some struggles passing it a lot. So what they did was they finally started to implement more 12 personnel, some more fullback, and figured out, okay, Devin Singletary is our guy. Let's go ahead and get him touches. In the last, what was it, eight of the last nine games, he had double-digit carries. That's what you're looking for. He had some more touchdowns and some more receptions. And I think that, that he showed them that he's their guy, specifically in the playoffs, being basically the bell cow the whole time. And that's important to me. I mean, we, we talk about – Guys like Brandon Ayuk and Amon Ross St. Brown who yeah. break out over the last, whatever, five or six games of the season. If that translates to next year, I think it's a little bit different with running back because you can earn a bit more trust as a running back when you're given the ball and you're just like pounding guys over and doing what Devin Singletary did over the course of the last season. What's up, guys? Nice to have you back. I'm uh, sorry. I didn't get to rebut <laughs> your Hollywood Brown point. So sad. It's all good. We can, we'll figure it out. We, we, yeah, we, can, we can backtrack a little if we need to, but uh, <laughs> Daniel, anything was that it for Singletary? Or did you have anything else? No, I was just going to say, I'm he's going to still be a low priced running back. Like, he's not going to be someone that you go out of your way to, to get because he's a running back in the high powered mm -hmm. Bills offense. Most people will go get, you know, Allen, now Knox, even Davis before uh, Devin Singletary. So I, I'm a big buy Singletary guy because he's going to be pretty cheap and I still think their commitment to the run game has opened up a lot of stuff in the passing game even with Allen running the ball as much as he does so he's probably going to still pay off that RB2 price point I think I'll uh, I'll shift to Akash but I want to make sure before um, after uh, Akash you can you can mention anything that was remaining on uh, Marquise Brown especially if he's in your bio it's only right and then uh, <laughs> shift, right. In, shift into a uh, Devin Singletary but as you Finished Devin Singletary. I want to ask a, a final question about these Bills players we we mentioned, but uh, go, go ahead, man. I'm for Hollywood. Just trust the volume because it's been there for multiple seasons, and I'd expect the um, passing volume as a whole to not be totally god-awful like it was <laughs> in 2020. And so from there, you end up with good volume on the whole, not just target share. You have good targets, and so that'll lead to good production. But for Singletary... Um, I didn't, I only caught the back half of what Daniel said, but if it was on along the lines of, um, like the end of, end of year split when he had like a few games of being a lot more productive, then, um, 
uh, he's a lot cheaper than some other running backs who are in tough situations, like not tough situations, but they could get replaced. But uh, if they don't, they are going to be viable. The bills have shown that they don't have, they don't place a ton of importance on investing in running backs. They drafted Singletary within the third round. They drafted Moss in the third round. Moss has shown that he isn't really good. He's a good plotter, but that's about it. Um, but and, uh, Matt Breida too. Don't forget him. But go ahead. He's a free agent, right? I know. I'm yeah. just saying they brought him in though. But oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not that's low investment. They probably paid him a couple million. If that, if that, if that, and, and yeah, gave I, him some merchandise, so it was good. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, is it is it possible that they draft someone like Kenneth Walker or something? Everyone mocks uh, running back to the Bills because they would love to see one of these running backs in the Bills high powered offense. Sure, it's possible, but the price for Devin Singletary is um, can you can take that hit because you're not paying a high price to get him, and he has upside in this offense. Yeah, that's, that's something I mentioned before. It always seems like for mocks or for free agency, people always try to tie a new running back to the Bills. Um, even last season, uh, you know, Fournette, when he was in fr- uh, free agency, people were, you know, st- you know, starting to point that direction or Aaron Jones before he re-signed. Uh, my question to you guys is, we don't have to dive too deep because we still got some more guys to cover, but uh, just A or B, you, you guys let me know. You can spit it out if it comes to you first. But what's more likely for the Bills next season, that Gabriel Davis is the wide receiver two on the team or that Devin Singletary is the running back one? Devin Singletary is the running back one. Singletary. And I very close. Yeah, I agree. That's that's a good that's a good uh, way to look at things. But uh, we'll move on to the next guy. I tweeted out something about – so the funny thing is for, like, my random tweets all the time, I'll be, like, invested into notes or an article or podcast and, 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 and take little clips of it and throw it on Twitter. And sometimes it gets some good traction. And uh, today it did for DJ Moore, uh, who I mentioned earlier. But uh, to, to do a quick rant here about DJ Moore, overall wide receiver 18 this year, which is an improvement to wide receiver 23 and 2020, which is overall during the fantasy season, still both below 2019, where he was the wide receiver 12. Uh, which drew a lot of expectations for him. A young guy producing at that level, um, a lot of people were very high in him. Uh, Average 22.4 fantasy points the first four weeks. He was the wide receiver four overall at that time. That was a major tease because uh, the rest of the season, he only hit 15 points one time after that. So kind of a letdown there. We know the QB situation uh, has never been ideal for him. You know, 14 touchdowns in four seasons, not super sexy either. Uh, he's still only 24 years old, but again, people, even today, when I put out that, uh, the tweet that I had about him, people were saying, I still have uh, faith. And other people said, uh, as long as they don't have a quarterback, I'm, I'm out. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about DJ Moore. Akash, we can go with you, man. Yeah. DJ Moore is the kind of guy that can benefit from change because change happens all the time. You kind of have to embrace it. And so, yeah, if there's a change in quarterback, then I'll be even more in, but I'm already in because the volume is fantastic. I'm a big target share kind of guy. This past season, he had a uh, 28% target share, which was like fourth in the league. Um, he sees a ton of opportunity. Quarterback, ha- yeah, it's been bad, but you know they've been linked to a guy like Kirk Cousins. They've been linked to Deshaun Watson. They've been, they're mocked quarterbacks in this draft, which might not be the greatest because this quarterback class isn't great, but quarterback change is coming because they're not going to stick with Sam Darnold. And so uh, it's really only up in there for Sam Darnold. And then if you can get a guy like Kirk Cousins or Deshaun Watson, then DJ Moore has an elite ceiling because he is a really good player. He's uh, 
gone like 1,100 yards over the past three se- each of the last three seasons. He has an elite opportunity. Um, he was a great prospect. Everything that you'd want from a player's trajectory, except for the situation's been bad. Um, the offense hasn't been good. He has bad quarterback play. And so um, if you could have something that really unlocks DJ Moore's ceiling, then he has elite potential. And uh, you mentioned the volume before, 10 games during the regular season with 10 or more targets. So that's that's good. That's what you're looking for in a wide receiver. And sometimes, you know, even if the QB situation is is, is kind of sketchy or inconsistent, we saw guys like like Brandon Cooks this season. He got a shit ton of targets throughout the year, and he and he finds way to ways to produce. DJ Moore really didn't, you know, most of the the second half of the season or after the first five games, but um, it, it will be interesting to see what they do at the quarterback position if they stick things out. Because I heard Matt Rule talking about we need to protect Darnold, and then I also see mocks of them taking somebody or you know addressing somebody in free agency. But uh, Daniel, same question, DJ Moore, what's your what's your outlook here? And I always joke, we need to get this guy out of Carolina. Like this is, it's been so bad for him. But regardless of the the circumstances, he produces. That's what elite talent does. And again, not just elite talent, but the target share. Like you talked about, Akash, the dude just continues to generate targets, opportunities, and that's what you want in a guy who's going to be twenty four or twenty five this year. Like he's going to be twenty five years old, entering the prime of his career. You're gonna. It's a low value price point for a guy who's. Honestly, one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. If he, he just doesn't get showcased because he's in Carolina where the quarterback play has been so bad. Um, I'm all in on DJ Moore. If I'm going to try to get him as many places as I can. And honestly, if you like you just talked about, if you can just upgrade to a Kirk Cousins, I know it's going to be a lot of money to bring him in. But look what he's done with Justin Jefferson with the two options on the team. You can create an elite fantasy option with just a simple tweak at quarterback, whatever you have to do. Just find a way to get a little bit more accurate downfield points because he's getting open a ton. And I'm I'm saying it again, I'm all in on DJ Moore. And I would say we mentioned it before, but timing and dynasty, like nope. if if there's a time, it's it's before the change happens, right? Because nope. the minute whatever happens, Kirk Cousins is now a Panther. The value changes dramatically because yes. everybody's gonna focus on the the new change and, and focus on who are the pass catchers in that system. My, my question to you guys is, and we'll keep it brief. Let's let's say they – they. so he had those big games with Sam Darnold, right? Mm-hmm. He had a couple of those big games with Sam Darnold. Had a bunch of down games with him too. Sam Darnold also missed a you know handful of weeks. Let's say they go and address their O-line and they dramatically improve it, and it's still Sam Darnold. Are you guys still still on the DJ train, or, or are you hesitant at that time? Still on it. Still I'm just on. Yeah, still chugging on. away, <laughs> chugging yeah. away. I'm the same yeah. way. I'm the same way because I I feel like uh, I'm trying to think of other situations where like the wide receiver's a stud. We we really think he's a stud, and the quarterback's like super iffy, and and we're just out because of that. Like I I mean maybe people will talk about like Terry McLaurin or something, but I think I think DJ's I think DJ's more talented, but I don't want to dive into that. <laughs> but yeah. All right, so DJ Moore, I, I think we're on the same page there. Yeah. Um, next guy on my list is another running back. Trying to mix things up uh, back and forth with positions here. But uh, Aaron Jones um, from that green and yellow team that don't like a ton. <laughs> uh, huge games out of Aaron Jones with four weeks of over 20 fantasy points. He also had that crazy 41.5 fantasy week that probably won a bunch of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a career high of 52 receptions. I talked – 
on a solo pod last week about the power of catching 50 passes as a running back and what that means for fantasy. So that's a good mark, getting 50 catches. Uh, nine receptions for 129 uh, receiving yards in their playoff game with 41 rushing yards. So he was, uh, I mean, Najee Harris, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift-type player in that, that, that game there. Um, we do have the po possibility of Aaron Rodgers no longer being a Green Bay Packer, maybe Devonta Adams is not a Packer either. There's a lot of shifting pieces that can happen for this team. We also have to mention that A.J. Dillon was cutting into the, the snap percentage. And I know some of those games Aaron Jones was banged up, but you have to really start projecting forward that both guys are going to touch the football, right? I mean, it just makes sense based off of the numbers we saw this year. Uh, but a lot of people are starting to be out on Aaron Jones because of these things. Uh, what, what's your take, though, Akash, on Aaron Jones uh, moving forward? Yeah, I thought I was going to be more out of him. Then everyone else started to get out-er on him and just overreacting to A.J. Dillon, who some people think A.J. Dillon is um, a really good running back, like stuck behind Aaron Jones when he's uh, he's okay, but he's not very good. Aaron Jones has been good for years, and I expect him to continue to be good. He's getting up there in age, obviously, and people hate running backs over 26. And at this point, there is no selling him because no one's going to buy a running back that's about to be 27, right? And you're not going to sell him low. And so he's just a guy that I'm holding and I'm going to let him age out on my team and just expect um, low RB1 numbers or high RB2 numbers until he's done. And I'm fine with that because he's been a terrific player for the last few years. And even with the situation changing, I still expect him to be good. You know, even if the offense gets worse, touchdowns go down maybe, but he'll still be good. And, you know, like you said, he's a good receiving back. He's a good running back. He's efficient. So I expect him to still produce. Yeah, one of my uh, my big hits, uh, I think it was last week, I, I tweeted out something that I think people overrate A.J. Dillon and underrate Aaron Jones, just based off what we see all the time. And it was like 300-something likes and only like a handful of people, you know, called me names or whatever. But <laughs> I feel like that happens so often that we, like, think he's like a dud and now A.J. Dillon is like Jonathan Taylor, where I, I feel like it's it's like pushing one guy way too far one way and the other guy way too far the other way. But, again, I mean, seeing both guys play, that's a thing. Um, so I get the back and forth. But, Dan Daniel, what's your what's your take? Uh, do you agree with some of Akash's points? Or are you on the opposite end? What do you think? No, I agree with some of it. I'm actually more of a buy than a lot of people are because he's – I know that this whole stigma about running backs getting to a certain, certain age – I understand it's a young man's game at running back, but 27 is not exactly dust. I've, and especially when you're talking about a guy who's going to catch probably 50 plus balls a year, like you mentioned, that has a lot of value. It, specifically in, in Dynasty, I think you can, as a running back, especially if he stays in Green Bay, he can continue to have that kind of production for two to three years if he and A.J. Dillon are in a, a committed timeshare at running back. You're still going to be able to find value in that my 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 own personal opinion you can you can, you're going to get multiple weeks where he's 20 plus points and specifically because of that week against the lions where he went for 41 points that could happen at any time with a aaron jones and you could be looking at a guy who ends up taking over the job because honestly aj dillon isn't always cracked up to be i think he's a fine plotter but that's pretty much what he is i i watched him at boston college i don't think he's a great passing pass catching back i think that he has some vision issues and obviously he's got great legs everyone always talks about the quadzilla and stuff like that but at the end of the day i think that pass catching has become such a 
enormous advantage in fantasy. And Aaron Jones, with everyone's looking to A.J. Dillon, you could be looking to get a guy who is still pretty valuable in fantasy terms for a relatively low price. I keep like throwing out this this uh, this this hypothetical that Aaron Rodgers is not on the Packers and Devonta Adams is not on the Packers either, and that they turn into this weird like Browns esque team where yeah. it's you know Hunt and Chubb. Now it's Aaron Jones and and AJ Dillon both like getting too much work and and over emphasizing the the running back work. But uh, a lot to be told for that. But I think we're on the same page uh, with with his value. I do want to talk about this next guy because. A lot of people, again, that's the whole story of the podcast, back and forth. Uh, he was awesome at some points, and then he was, like, pretty bad at other points. But we got to talk about Mike Williams. I uh, keep seeing the graphic. You know, everybody wants to tweet the same thing and say, you know, where is Mike Williams going to go? And, I've, you know, I, I'm not knocking either one of you guys. If you guys did, I did not see that. But uh, I've seen about 18 different graphics, you know, talking about Mike Williams and where he's going to go for next season. Uh, but opening up five weeks, the opening five weeks of the season, he was the wide receiver two behind Cup, and he was be- behind Cup by less than three fantasy points, which is huge. He averaged 23.2 fantasy points during that span, so Mike Williams was going off. Then he returned to true bo- uh, boomer bust fashion. He had three games of 15-plus fantasy points following the week seven bye, but five games under 10 fantasy points. He's going to be a free agent in 2022, a lot of people asking, you know, is he going to be on the Chargers or where is he going to be? And then what's his value going to be like? Uh, Daniel, we'll start with you, man. Mike Williams, very polarizing guy. You know, it's funny. Mike Williams is turning 28 this year. I didn't know that before I looked it up. I thought he was a bit younger than that. He was about 26 years old, but he's actually starting to get up there. And Mike Williams, there's a reason he started to, to have those weeks. And the Chargers offensive line, once it started to get injured, you saw – Justin Herbert go to the guy who gets open quicker, and that's Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen gets open quicker. He runs better routes. Mike Williams is a guy who takes a little bit longer, and if you need a little bit more time in the pocket to get the ball downfield to your ex receiver who runs deeper routes and has to build up some speed, it just unfortunately affected his work a little bit. And then you started to see them finally start take shots because they have to take shots. There's no real speed in L.A., outside of Jalen Guyton, who's just not a very good receiver, and Mike Williams was facilitating that type of deep threat if he wasn't getting funnel targets. So I believe he's probably going to stay in Los Angeles with the Chargers. It's the best for them. It's the best for him. And I do think that, unfortunately, as the Chargers situation is so fluid with offensive line and injuries, if you guys haven't noticed, the last five years, they're one of the most injured teams in the NFL. They just, For some reason, they can't figure out how to get their training staff with the guys on their team, the, the right situations to be not injured. I don't know what it is. It's a weird thing. It's important but, to be healthy in football. Yeah. It's almost like you have to be on the field in order to play. Yeah. And so this whole situation, it's been one of the most – interesting things i've seen specifically because i've seen the Chargers every single year the chiefs are my favorite team so I, I just happen to see what goes on in la it's weird but mike williams like i said entering 28 i'm probably not looking to buy him specifically because they already drafted a guy who could technically replace mike williams if they had to and it's hard to know where he's gonna go if he's not going to la and you need to have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who's going to throw the ball in those 50-50 situations, no matter what, because he trusts his guy. So it's a it's a difficult situation for me. It's a polarizing situation, a.k.a. Yeah. the podcast here. But uh, Akash, thoughts on Mike Williams? 
Yeah, Mike Williams was a guy I wasn't in on entering the year. He had been consistently mediocre mm-hmm. um, up until this point. It felt like people were trying to like Miko Hardman him into production, where he had a mediocre mediocre target numbers, and then he was playing with an elite quarterback. So people said, "Oh, maybe this could be," but it actually came to be unlike um, other players. And he had a twenty-one percent uh, target share and fifteen points per game. That's what happens when your offense passes for five thousand yards. And, you know, I, I like him a lot more on the Chargers. I think they end up re-signing him just because they don't have any good wide receivers except him and Keenan Allen. I know some people like Joshua Palmer. I don't know why. Um, Me either. But, um, yeah, it's it's him. It's Keenan. And then he, he if he remains in this high-powered offense, I think he'll still remain viable. I don't think he's going to be a high wide receiver, too. I think he's more like uh, 12, 13 maybe 14 points per game kind of player. And so that's really replaceable production. I would probably look to pivot off of him for, to get younger and also get very similar production. Um, but, you know, cause there are, there's a lot of uncertainty and he's a guy that I don't think is like a superstar and he's getting older. And so move off of him. Yeah. I think I'd be on the same path. I mean, you, you know what you're going to get out of the guy. You might get, you might get 22 points one week and then you might get two points the next week. Mm-hmm. It's just, he's, he's been that guy. And, you know, could that pay off sometimes? Sure. Yeah. If you're ch- chasing a matchup and he's your flex play and you're like, shit, I'm, I'm going to put in Mike Williams instead of Jameson. I don't know. Some guy that's going to give you 10 points every week or something like yeah. that. You know, that's, that's one thing, but he's been that guy. I, I, I'm with you guys. So I, I, I think, I think if I can get younger and get similar production and maybe a little bit more consistency, I'm, I'm going that route. Um, I'm wondering, you know, if if he moves, if his price is going to change. I I feel like it's it's about to be the same. I mean, I don't know. They could definitely bottom out if he goes someplace where the quarterback's not very good, or, or yeah. where it's crowded. You know, and everybody's yeah. going to bring out that phrase it, that everybody yeah. likes too many mouths. Maybe like just just maybe if if he leaves and signs to be someone else's wide receiver, one the price actually goes up. But I doubt it. I think most likely he either stays or he's someone else's number two because mm-hmm. that's what he's best suited to be. You know, he could get Corey Davis, but, you know, I think most likely he stays. That's a verb now. Corey Davis. <laughs> that makes sense. All right, hey, I, I want to go to uh, – we got a few guys left, but we, we might only get to one or two of them. But uh, a, I'm not going to say a similar wide receiver, but a guy who can be a downfield threat, right? His rookie season, he had nine receiving touchdowns. Uh, I think he also rushed for two touchdowns. So he had 11 total touchdowns this guy's rookie season. Talking about Chase Claypool, uh, top 25 overall finish during his rookie season as well. 2021, he played a game less. The 11 touchdowns dropped to two total touchdowns. Uh, The 25 overall dropped to 41 overall. Uh, There's moving pieces in Pittsburgh, obviously. Um, They may have a new quarterback that can maybe – Phil Claypool's skill set better. Some people have said um, some people are in because of that. Some people are out because of the lack of production and dependency on, on touchdowns. Don't think Juju's going to be back. But again, we saw plenty of games where he had the opportunity to, you know, maybe step in a higher you know, target volume. And it felt like it was like Pat uh, Fryermuth at times. But uh, Chase Claypool, uh, really borderline guy, too, for people. Uh, Daniel, what are we thinking about Chase Claypool? I'm a big buy on Chase Claypool, mostly because 
I know that his quarterback could technically get worse than Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph, but the deep the deep targets are what Chase Claypool really needs. Ben Roethlisberger could not do that last year in the slightest. He couldn't get the ball 15 yards downfield to get Claypool. The most the majority of his work was done in the, like the first five to 10 yards in the middle of the field, running basically lots of shallow crossing routes. That's not what Chase Claypool's best at. You want to get in the ball downfield, opportunities to go make plays on the ball. And I do think they needed to do a better job of getting him in some better rushing situations and more yak opportunity. He showed in his first season he can do all of that. And the offense just, for me, took a step back because Ben Roethlisberger is extremely limited. And they also wanted to run the ball, ball more with Najee Harris. It does feel like they want to establish the run more and they're going to look to try to do that, especially if they end up going to Mason Rudolph. But I think they're going to draft the running, uh, excuse me, a quarterback this year, regardless of who it is. I think that's going to help Chase Claypool a bit because all these guys are younger. They can get the ball downfield. Uh, so I'm a buy because he's extremely cheap. He's going like, I just did a couple of uh, underdog drafts and he was like in the 15 round 15. Like he's not. People don't want him. They don't really want anything to do with him for some reason, and they've given up on him. So I'm a, I'm a pretty big buy. That's interesting to where he's going to because especially with best ball, I feel like he like screams <laughs> best ball player. But extremely, um, yeah. Uh, Akash, what's your what's your thoughts? Chase Claypool moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting you uh, kind of compared him to Mike Williams. I was having this discussion with someone uh, a few weeks ago, like that he is the Mike Williams while Deontay Johnson is the Keenan Allen. And that makes total sense to me. Um, he is uh, in like just like Mike Williams. He's the guy that will produce like wide receiver three, four numbers, ex- extremely replaceable production unless he gets, uh, if, unless he's in like a high volume elite offense, and that's no guarantee. And so when the um, when I expect replaceable production, you're paying for the replaceable production, and you're also paying for the youth. So just because the uh, production is young doesn't mean that it's something that I'm interested in. His price around wide receiver like. 25 to 30 in dynasty ADP. It's something I'm really looking to pivot off of pivot to a guy like Hollywood or um, pivot to a guy like IU Bateman. Um, if I'm going, if I want to compete and I want an elite player, I'll pivot to a guy like Ridley or Michael Thomas. That's something I, I totally do. Um, but it's, it's, I don't expect him. He has perceived upside. I think that's something else that's keeping him his uh, thing high because he has flashes in his rookie season. And some people think he's DK Metcalf light. I think he's more Mike Williams plus. And so if you can cash out on that, went to someone else who believes that, then I think you could totally do that. So if we were in a dynasty league, it might be a cash selling Daniel buying. It sounds like. Depends on the value because I'm probably not going to offer more than a late second round pick. Like that's what I'm going to offer. Would you take that? that, that uh, He's like a late first. So you're definitely selling. Oh, all right. You're, all right. you're on my side now, Daniel. That's a, that's a ridiculous amount. Like, there's no yeah. reason for him to be that, that late, value that late, way. Late first, there's no yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, you're on my side no now. Way. I mean, he was, there, he was close to top 24 in his rookie season. There's not nothing there. And so that's what the people are willing to pay that. I don't think that's uh, an egregious price. It's a bit pricey for me, but I think he's yeah. definitely more worth more than a late second. All right, so for, for the closing part of this show, um, we had a couple guys left, but we want to keep it under an hour here um, for those of you that are still uh, listening to us here. I'm going to give you guys a list uh, of the remaining guys, and, and you tell me from these remaining guys who stands out to you the most as uh, I'm in, I'm out, um, and just some brief points, uh, and, and then we'll close things up. So I'll, I'll give you guys the list. You can just pick a name and say, you know, I'm, I'm in on this guy, I'm out on this guy because of this. 
and uh, we'll we'll close the show from there. But the remaining guys on the list, Evan Ingram, got Tua, I have Rashad Penny, and LaVisca Chenault. Uh, Akash, does does one guy stand out to you as a polarizing player that you are in or out on? I'm in on Ingram and Visca, and I'm kind of out on um, Penny, and I'm kind of out on Tua. All right, all right, interesting. I'm the exact opposite. I don't it, it, like it, it Evan Ingram at all. I don't like Lavishka Chenault at all. Granted, I think that Chenault's going to get better this year because there's almost nowhere to go but up for him, and that offense is almost nowhere to go than up. Um, I like Penny a lot. The only thing I have is that he's getting a little bit older. He's entering what is 26-year-old fifth season, so that's something to also look at. Uh, but I, I do think that He's got value in an offense if he can stay healthy. Obviously, that's always the thing with him if he can stay healthy. And what was the other guy? It was uh, Tua. I'm excited about Mike McDaniel. I'm a little more hesitant, but I'm excited about the ability that they're going to probably bring more weapons around him. So I'm a little more in on Tua than I think the perceived notion. Fair enough. Fair enough. It sounds like we needed like a, a part two to this episode to uh, <laughs> to dive into these guys. Maybe those were the uh, the guys we could have uh, debated more on. But I uh, want to shout out guys in the comments, Matty Daddy, uh, as well as uh, our guy D Brown from the Dynasty Suns. Really good guys there. But a uh, good episode. I mean, it's it's interesting to dive into guys that we see all the back and forth. All three of us are on Twitter all the time, and we see mm-hmm. you know people arguing nonstop about values and valuation and dynasty, which is fair because like that's dynasty and it'd be boring as shit if like everybody valued things the same but uh a lot of these names again back and forths um so i appreciate you guys both coming on uh again check these guys out if you're following me and not them fix that Uh, i want to make sure that they get to plug uh where you can find them once again and then anything else that's upcoming for you that you want to let everybody know about we'll start uh, uh with you daniel Again, you guys can find me at In Harm's Way 19 on Twitter. All of my film content that I do for Chiefs and film related for the draft will be on rjrfootball.com as well as the Fantasy Football Astronauts. All right, all right. And Akash? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, YZR underscore fantasy. Uh, you can check out uh, my podcast coming back. It's with Dynasty underscore IM on the Bulletproof Fantasy Football YouTube channel. We're going to be starting up um, again this week, and we got a special interview coming soon so keep tuned for that so so i'm assuming it's a big name coming on there then yeah it's a pretty big name if you're a fan of a uh, of the nfl from like the 80s and 90s you might know the name so very cool very cool we'll have to no stay spoilers. tuned in to both of these guys there uh you can ch- uh, catch the p2w fantasy podcast uh tomorrow john mcglynn will be uh hosting a guest again with his uh commissioner evaluation i'll be live again at some point next week uh tbd drop that news i don't know on friday or something like that but again if you listen to us live on twitter or youtube or facebook or in your car on your commute really appreciate it uh make sure you sub to uh youtube and the podcast itself and again check out daniel and akash on on twitter uh super active guys thank you guys for coming on and uh everybody else uh have a good rest of your night